is Jared of the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. We are live today at the brand new Electronic Express. Again, this brand new location is out in Cool Springs on Cool Springs Boulevard in the old Toys R Us location. They expanded Floyd. This is a big mamma jamma that we got out here. As you said, a wall of televisions that's probably longer than a football field out here at Electronic Express. They got everything. So today is the grand opening celebration of this new Electronic Express. Come by now for amazing deals, plus free prizes and giveaways all day. And it's time we give away our first set of tickets. We're giving away four, one each hour today. This will be for the 2 o'clock hour. Congratulations to Michael Lance, who is our first winner. He's got a pair of Vanderbilt and Kentucky football tickets coming to him so keep on coming out here and registering to win this hour we're giving away preds and jets tickets so preds and jets if you want to go to that later this month come on out register to win we'll be giving away a pair of tickets this hour and in the five o'clock hour and of course we'll give away another vandy kentucky pair in the four o'clock hour so be excited about that electronic express has the best prices from all the major brands on 4k tvs major appliances computers tablets mattresses and so much more now Mel Kuyper Jr. this morning was on Get Up on ESPN. And Mel Kuyper was asked about the quarterbacks. And, of course, we've got two pretty doggone good quarterbacks that are going to be playing on Saturday in Tua and Joe Burrow. So Mel was asked about the quarterbacks in this draft, and this is what Mel Kuyper Jr. said. Let's talk about that briefly here. Are these quarterbacks in this draft the kinds of prospects, at least at this point in the evaluation, that I know how much you hate the word tanking, but that teams might be considering throwing in the towel for that are that kind of transformational kinds of talents? No. Uh, right now, I'd say all three are kind of vying. It's a three-horse race. All three are vying to be that guy. Everybody thought it was guaranteed to be Tua. That's not the case because of Burrow's ascension up that board. And Justin Herbert's coming off a phenomenal game against USC. He has more talent than any of the other two or any quarterback in this draft or in the last 20 years. Herbert has that kind of ability. Now, he's not to the level of some of these other guys in terms of instincts and awareness, but talent, he has it. So there's three quarterbacks all still being evaluated for that top spot. And then there's Chase Young, the great pass rusher from Ohio State. So right now, Young's the best player in the draft, Greeny. The quarterbacks are right off him. But if you need a quarterback, you're going to take one of these three. Will be the first pick probably in this draft. And like I say, this LSU game against Alabama will have a lot to do with that. And certainly Herbert moving forward will be in this equation as well. Okay, so Mel says it's between three guys. So it really, when it came into the year, it was Tua and then really Herbert and Fromm were behind Tua. Now it's Tua, Herbert, and Burrow all together in one. Right. My question for you is Miami or, or Cincinnati is going to have the number one overall pick. My guess is two quarterbacks are going one and two this year. One's going to Miami, one's going to Cincinnati. But do you think the Titans will have a shot at any of those three quarterbacks? And what are kind of your initial thoughts on the quarterbacks that, that Mel brought up? And how much stock as a GM will you put into Saturday's LSU-Alabama game when looking at both Burrow and Tua? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I don't think the Titans will have a shot at them. I mean, I think they'll go, I mean, the, the best player in the draft is the defensive end from Ohio State. I mean, he is the real deal. And if you wanted a sure bet, that would be your guy. Given that, if you don't have a quarterback, you got to get one. And so, you know, you're going to get one of these three guys. I mean, these three guys will probably go 
all, all of them top four, you know, depending on what happens with the defensive end at, uh, at Ohio State. Um, but I think Burroughs has been kind of the uh, new kid on the block. He's come out of nowhere. I mean, what he is doing, nobody ever expected. Is it a flash in the pan? Is it finally getting to a place that, that you feel confident and you've got some good players to work with? You know, what is it? And I think that's probably what you're going to have to decide with him. Tua, we know about. And Tua throws as pretty a ball as anybody in the country. I mean, he's great arm, great. You know, it's going to boil down to size and injuries with Tua. Now, he has won a ton of games. That being said, I mean, year after year over the last two, three years, he's probably had as as good a group, group of receivers as anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. So, um, you Does know, that make how, it hard to evaluate a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, you're getting, you know, those guys are getting open. It's kind of like Mahomes. You know, what would Mahomes be like in this offense, you know, where you're not running past everybody? And, you know, you got to ask that question. And the truth is, you don't know the answer. Um, and the Oregon kid is, is I think, by most standards, the, the most pro-ready kid. That is, there's, he doesn't lack in anything from a skill set. I watched he's the Oregon-Washington game, and I really liked him. Yeah, he's got all the skills. He's got size. He's athletic. He's got everything. Um, and I think the thing that that is a concern, and we heard you know Mel talk about it, is uh, you know all the things that you can't measure, because when you're dealing with a quarterback, they're the most important things, and you know you you wonder about those, and that'll be up to you know each of the organizations is going to have to take time and and set those guys down and spend time with them and decide that on their own. So, what do you think ultimately the Titans with these quarterbacks? Do you think it's something that, it, if, let's say the Titans are picking 15th in the draft this year, and they want one of those three guys, where do you think they have to get to? First of all, if they want one of the three guys, it's probably going to have to be the third guy, whoever that third guy is. And my gut tells me that you would say Burrow is probably the third guy. And a lot of the fans here, I think, want Burrow over to a, well, I think a lot of fans just assume they're not going to be able to get to a, but if you had, if you asked the fans between, Herbert or Burrow, I think the fans here would pick Burrow. Now, again, the fans here are SEC football fans, and Burrow plays in the SEC. So that's obviously a huge bias. But do the Titans, would the Titans ever have a shot at Burrow? Do you like Burrow as a prospect oh, for the I, Titans? Like, yeah, what do you. Uh... I, don't, I mean, they, I think right now they've got five picks. I mean, it would take all five to get you up to three. From 15? Or, yeah. I mean, it would take, you know, your entire draft. I mean, you uh, you would probably have to trade Taylor Lewan. I don't know, but but the point being that you you know you, I mean, if in fact you decide you need a quarterback, then you know you you would hate to have to to spend an entire draft on a quarterback because we've already seen. I mean, I think you, you and Mel just said it. I don't think any of these guys are slam dunks now. I mean, not that there are many slam dunks. I'm not saying that, but I think there are a lot of people going into these, into the draft that are saying, "Hey, I really like this guy." It's like, uh, it's like the Bears trading up for Trubisky. You know, they said, "Hey, that's my guy. I he's a slam dunk. He's the best guy out there, better than all these other guys." And you know, you're willing to put your franchise 
uh, in jeopardy to get that guy. That's how good you thought he he was. And then you get him in there, and you start looking at him, and you go, eh, he may not be that good. He may not be as good as I thought. So, um, so you know, you've got to run through that. I mean, it's just not as much money and effort and personnel and all the stuff that you do to work on a draft. I mean, it's almost scary, especially with quarterbacks, how imperfect the science is. But it's just really, really difficult because the things you can't, the most important things you can't measure. You have to figure those out on your own. Okay, that being said, at the Trubisky front, I remember that whole time being like, this guy was a starter for one year at North Carolina, and what did he really do? And then I'm looking at Deshaun Watson, and I, I remember the day after the draft, Mel Kuyper Jr. said Deshaun Watson was this, or the day after the national championship game, Mel Kuyper said that Deshaun Watson was either a second or a third round pick. I'm like, are we watching Deshaun Watson play college football? Deshaun Watson is awesome. And so I, I get people missing on Mahomes. I don't get people missing on Watson. Watson put Clemson on his back and uh, beat Alabama. There was a lot of discussion on Watson. I know there was, but yeah. how could there? He was great oh, in college. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, but it's the same deal. You know, I, I, you know, if you're not, and you've heard me say this, I mean, with Watson, the biggest, you got to worry about him like Mahomes. Make Watson stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Let's see where he is. Because he doesn't do that. He wants out. He wants on the on the move, and I don't blame him. If I could throw like he could on the move, I'd I'd want out too. Um, but those guys are just not pocket passers right now. But they're so good at what they do, you know, they may change the game. Who knows? Um, but and I think you know you. The question is, in your mind, with Tua, okay, is Tua that? You know, is he? Does he need to be like that, or is he a true pocket passer? I, the the problem with all three of the quarterbacks, I think, is they all have issues. You know, Tua, you're worried about the injury. You're worried about the size. With Burroughs, he's a one-year guy. What does that mean? Oh, he was kind of good if, last year. The what? He was kind of good last year. Nah, he lost his job. Burrow? Yeah. When? I mean, he, he was average at best. Last year? Yes. I mean, I thought he was pretty good. Oh, no. I mean, he wasn't I what he is what. now, but I thought, yeah. Well, I mean, when I they mean, killed what, Miami week one, I'm like, okay, this guy might be pretty good. Yeah, what he is now is he's good. You know, he is a good quarterback now, but I didn't think he was. That was just me. Um, so he's kind of a one-year wonder, and you're saying, okay, now where are you? You know, are you excited about that? Uh, and then the other kid, you're a little bit concerned about some of the things, like I keep saying, that you can't measure. Let's let's take your calls on the quarterbacks. 615-737-1025. Mel Kuyper says Burrow, Tua, or Herbert for the number one pick. I don't think the Titans will get probably to any guy. But if you had to go with one of those guys for the Titans, who would it be? Or are you resigned to maybe going from after this year, maybe going Eason, something else? Or would you just rather see a veteran quarterback if you don't like those guys? 615 615- Seven three seven one zero two five six one five seven three seven one zero two five, and are the Titans too good of a football team 
to be drafting quarterbacks in the first round. We'll discuss that with the GM coming up next. Jared and the GM live from the brand new Electronic Express location. Hey, show us why you're the biggest Bama fan for your chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise February 10th through the 15th. The second annual Crimson Tide Cruise will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel in Yucatan, Mexico on board the Carnival Valor. It's national championship-worthy vacation uh, with your favorite Alabama sports legends. Send us a picture by Twitter with hashtag Bama Cruise or upload a pic at thegamenashville.com. Book your cruise at crimsontidecruise.com and get $150 off with promo code GAME. That's right, promo code GAME. Jared and the GM. We're live from Electronic Express, the brand new Electronic Express, the beautiful Electronic Express out in Cool Springs. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. What is the identity of this offense supposed to be? I think we want to run the football, be a physical front. You know, obviously, um, Derek's a, a big, tough runner. You know, we want to get him carries, get him going early, um, you know, set the tone that way, and then, and then play off of that. That was Ryan Tannehill talking about the identity of the Titans offense. Is the future of the Titans offense Ryan Tannehill? I don't know. Again, Mel Kuyper Jr. went over the three guys he thinks are vying for the top pick, Tua, Herbert, and Burrow. I keep wanting to say Fromm because we've always wanted to say Fromm, and now Fromm has kind of dropped out a little bit. And I just wonder, Floyd, if, if for Tannehill's sake, are the Titans too good to be able to get a rookie quarterback? I mean, like, Well, no. I mean, you can find one. I mean, there'll be one there. The question is, is that what you want? You know, even with the first three. Truth is, there may be only one of those three you like. What's the guarantee that one of those three is better than Ryan Tannehill? Well, uh, nothing. I mean, there is no guarantee, and that's why you know you go when you you go to picking this. If you don't have the first pick, so it's your choice. You can have the pick of the litter in your mind. Then you know what you're in trouble because if you if you only like one of them or you like two of them. And those two go right off the bat, boom, boom. Now what are you going to do? You know, you just trade it up to get to a, in a position where you could draft, uh, and he's not there. So now you're in trouble. That's and, and so that's those are the kind of things that I think are, you know become issues when you're drafting a quarterback. And if you say, okay, well, I'm going to take, we'll wait and get somebody in the fifteenth pick. Yeah, I mean, you can probably do that too, but. Might be the fifth quarterback. <laughs> Certainly no guarantees there. I just don't and believe. And he may end up being the best of the whole group. You just don't know that. I just don't believe that unless you're head over heels for a quarterback, you need to take one in the top five, top ten, or move yourself up there. Like, unless you just love the guy. Like, you look at him and you're like, this guy, I can't not take this guy. And I'll, I'll use an example. I mean, you can get Lamar Jackson at the back end of the first round. And Lamar, even though you don't like him, Lamar has been fantastic as the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, might end up being the best quarterback of that class. Yeah, right. Well, the and the question is, you got to keep in mind, you're selecting a franchise quarterback. This guy's going to be your quarterback for 12 years. Well, Lamar ain't going to make 12 years. You know, so you're saying, okay, what do you have after the first three or four? Well, you know. I'd rather risk, I'd rather risk my future with Lamar Jackson at 32 than Josh Allen at seven or wherever he went. I mean, I'm not doing Josh uh, Rosen at 10. I, I, I'm doing Lamar know. Jackson yeah, but, at 32. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen, you know, they're what are they now, six and two? Yeah, they ain't Lamar Jackson. I don't care. They're six and two. I think Josh Allen may be all right. Let's go to your phone, 615-737-1025. Scott 
on the Titans quarterback situation. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, it's Burrow all the way. And I say this because, you know, since the McNair age, we have tried to to emulate that running quarterback that 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 uh, that can pass on the run, but but it just doesn't. As Floyd said earlier, Lamar's not going to be around several years from now, right? They just don't last. And well, just because Floyd said that doesn't necessarily make it true. I'm not saying he's wrong. <laughs> But he's just always been down on Lamar, and Lamar has always been no, I don't. I'm down. I, I look at running quarterbacks. Look at the history of running. Have you ever heard of RG3? You know, have you heard of those guys? I have. They, Michael Vick, have you heard? Those guys don't survive. They don't they survive. And, and they get, they, I mean, they just take too much of a beating. But I will say this. If the Titans are going to succeed, um, we can't continue to do the OC carousel that we've done over the past several years. It just doesn't work for a quarterback to, to get into a system, be consistent, work under the tutelage of, of one person. And, you know, Rabel being of uh, the Bill Belichick offspring or bloodline, however you want to uh, put it, um, you know, has always been a pocket passer type of guy. Thank you for your call, Scott. Uh, I agree that they can't keep changing coordinators yeah that that's killing you know the young quarterbacks that's a death sentence the problem is is that if you're good you'll have to change coordinators because the coordinator will get a job as a head coach and if you're bad you'll have to change coordinators because the coordinator stinks very hard to put yourself in a position where you get coordinator continuity well on offense in the end no, uh, yeah i mean it's not hard it's just difficult finding people to do it I mean, you can do it. You just got to pay for them. By the way, to the caller's point about Burrow and wanting a pocket passer and that Burrow's got the size or whatever for that, how about this? Joe Burrow, 6'4", 216. Ryan Tannehill, 6'4", 217. So the incredibly similar size between Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill. If you're going to draft Joe Burrow to the Titans, I need to know that he is for sure better than Ryan Tannehill because the last thing I'm doing Whoever the quarterback is next year has to either be or have the potential to be better than Tannehill. Like, you have to be convinced that that guy will be better than Tannehill or else just keep Tannehill. And I'm not convinced Tannehill shouldn't be the quarterback next year. Well, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's my philosophy. Don't change him unless you can find somebody better. Joe is up next here on Jared and the GM. Thank you for calling. What's up, Joe? Hey, uh, guys, love the show. Uh, just wanted to call and see what you and uh, Floyd thought about maybe the uh, Titans trading for uh, Cam Newton. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Floyd. You know, I have, I have never been a, a Cam Newton guy, and Cam is similar to just what we're talking about. Cam was a runaround quarterback, you know, hit on the motion, could throw a little bit better. Uh, but when he got to a point in his career where running was no longer an option and now you have to stand back there and throw the ball, couldn't do it. Can't do it. And, you know, he's probably done or close to done. So I think there's a lot of things to Cam Newton. Number one, I'm with you. I think Cam's done. I think Cam, and I I think it's kind of, I don't want to say mental with Cam, but I think it's in Cam's head. I think Cam is done, Zo, uh, and you and I felt like I saw it that last game that he played against Tampa Bay on Thursday Night Football. Secondly, I never thought Cam was all that good, anyways. Third, I don't like Cam's personality. 
I think Cam is a total front runner. He's like Baker Mayfield. Just when things are going well, Cam loves to celebrate in people's face and loves to say, I'm just having fun. And then when things aren't going well, Cam loves to get snippy with the media and loves to get all bent out of shape and cry about the referees. I don't like quarterbacks like that. I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't like Cam Newton. I like Teddy Bridgewater, somebody who is always positive and always saying the right things and always doing the right things. So that's another reason why I don't like Cam. Then on top of it, at this point in their careers, can you convince me that Cam is better than Ryan Tannehill? Somebody will say, well, in 2015, Cam was league MVP. That's 2015. Are you convinced right now Cam Newton is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill? Mm, certainly not now. So then there is no reason to do that. Again, whatever the Titans do at quarterback, it has to be better than Ryan Tannehill. And if it's not better than Ryan Tannehill, why would you do it when you have Ryan Tannehill? And this is the other side about the Tannehill thing. Tannehill is pretty good, in my opinion. Has played through three games, has played pretty well. So I'm not ready to give up on Tannehill. Yeah, I don't think anybody's talking about giving up on Tannehill. You know, I think it's If you trade for Cam Newton, you're giving up on Tannehill. Well, you're not going to trade for Cam Newton. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, so I I think uh, I think everybody's open that in fact Tannehill is the guy. You know, you would love nothing more than to finish the season and feel like your quarterback position is is covered for another couple of years. Um, anyway, and if you can do that, that's you know, in spite of the season and all that's gone wrong, you're you're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, but that's a difficult thing to do, and you've got to decide that you know if in fact Tannehill's the guy and. And I won't. I can't tell you how many hours they'll be discussing. Well, is Tannehill better than Burrow? Is Tannehill better than Tua? Is you know on and on and back and forth. I mean, just ad nauseum. And don't they have to kind of start talking about that now? Only because they're going to have a decision to make on Tannehill before they get anywhere near which quarterback they may be able to draft. Oh sure. I mean they'll have. I mean. They'll have the entire draft board set up by Thanksgiving. I'm just guessing. Back to your phones next on this, 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM live from Electronic Express, their brand-new location out here in Cool Springs on uh, Cool Springs Boulevard, or Galleria Boulevard. Come on out. And, again, uh, it's in the location of the old Toys R Us. Tons of great savings out here at Electronic Express. Make your picks now for the three college football underdog teams you think will win this Saturday. Weekly winners will win a pair of tickets to the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bullet Nissan Stadium Monday, December 30th. Hit up thegamenashville.com or the ESP and the Game National mobile app and play now. Silly underdog picks is sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. Jared and the GM, we are live at Electronic Express, the brand new Electronic Express location out here in Cool Springs. Again, we're talking about what Mel Kuyper Jr. had to say about the three quarterbacks in this year's draft on Get Up this morning on ESPN. This is what Mel Kuyper said. Let's talk about that briefly here. Are these quarterbacks in this draft the kinds of prospects, at least at this point in the evaluation, that I know how much you hate the word tanking, but that teams might be considering throwing in the towel for that are that kind of transformational kinds of talents? 
No. Uh, right now, I'd say all three are kind of vying. It's a three-horse race. All three are vying to be that guy. Everybody thought it was guaranteed to be Tua. That's not the case because of Burrow's ascension up that board. And Justin Herbert's coming off a phenomenal game against USC. He has more talent than any of the other two or any quarterback in this draft or in the last 20 years. Herbert has that kind of ability. Now, he's not to the level of some of these other guys in terms of instincts and awareness, but talent, he has it. So there's three quarterbacks all still being evaluated for that top spot. And then there's Chase Young, the great pass rusher from Ohio State. So right now, Young's the best player in the draft, Greeny. The quarterbacks are right off him. But if you need a quarterback, you're going to take one of these three. Will be the first pick probably in this draft. And like I say, this LSU game against Alabama will have a lot to do with that. And certainly Herbert moving forward will be in this equation as well. Let's go to your phones on the Titans and the quarterback situation. Unless, Floyd, you'd like to add something? No, go to the phones. Let's go to Corey, who's up next on the Titans quarterback situation. Go ahead, Corey. Hey, guys. Um, unless, to me, unless your number one pick of all the quarterbacks that are available at the beginning of the draft falls to you at 19 or whatever whatever they're picking at, I think you got to look at having a good offensive line and a good you know, dynamic running game before you bring any quarterback in that, that's, a, that's a rookie that you draft. The reason being is I'm just afraid that if you reach for a quarterback before the rest of the team is ready, you're going to have Marcus 2.0 where the guy's getting beat up, he's not getting a chance to learn, and he's going to start seeing ghosts, and you're going to go through the same thing again in another five years. Thank you for the call, Floyd. Uh, he's exactly right. I mean, that this is an issue that you, you run into when you get in a situation where you start having to change quarterbacks. Because you, especially if you go with the young ones, because then you because can't draft you can't, somebody in the first round that well, can make an impact. Yeah, you can't coordinate the age of the team. You know, about the time that you bring in, you go and you draft a quarterback now. Okay, so you say, all right, it's going to take him three, four years to where he's going to be in. A, well, in three or four years, Delaney Walker's gone, John Ook and me gone, Derek Henry's gone. I mean, all of those guys are gone now. Can you replace them with guys that are as good or better? Maybe you can, but not always. And and I think you go over on the other side of the ball and look at the defense. You know, Butler will be gone. I mean, Adoree may be here, but, I mean, a lot of those guys are gone. So now what kind of a team are you drafting them into? Well, if you don't have a quarterback, you know, if you're drafting a young quarterback, then the team's probably not you know, an ideal situation for that young guy to come in and learn. So, I mean, it gets all, it just gets harder and harder um, if you're not careful. I mean, you have to be, that's why these decisions are so hard because it's easy to just look at it and say, okay, we got to get a new quarterback or we got to get a new tackle or we got to get, okay, fine. Let's go get one better than the one we've got. Well, I can't find one. Well, then the one we've got's okay. If there's nobody out there better than the one we got, it's, you know, that's not the problem with his skills. Uh, and you go through that literally every position. So I, the question I want to ask Mel Kuyper when he talks about the quarterbacks in this draft, and, may, you know, maybe we'll get Mel on the show and do it, but are these guys better than Ryan Tannehill? Because if Ryan Tannehill, if Ryan Tannehill gives you performances week in and week out like he's giving you the first three weeks, that's probably good enough to build around, right? Uh, yeah, and, and bring in some young guy to learn at a point in time. Yeah, like bringing a young guy in the third round this year 
who sits behind Tannehill. See, the hard part is, we, we, and, and that's, what if that guy's and, no good in the yeah, third round, and the Tannehill gets hurt now? He's in all there. Over, you know, that, and so you've got to be sure. I mean, if you're going to do that, in my mind, you make sure that the guy you're bringing in is somebody that's going to have a skill set that can be a starter. You're positive of that, you know. And if you're not, then there's no need doing it because you end up right back where you were. So now Tannehill's gone, and you know you just won two Super Bowls, and now Billy Bob is taken over, and Billy Bob can't complete a pass. Well, I ain't worried about it. I mean, know, where it, are it, you? if the Titans win two Super Bowls, I don't care. You know, it, like, I'm just saying the idea of Tannehill being your starter next year and the young guy behind him to learn so that in three or four years when it's time for Tannehill to move on, the young guy can step in and be the starter. Yeah, guy. if, in fact, the young guy's good enough. That's the, only problem, the only problem with that is just like Jacksonville, and Jacksonville got lucky with how good Minshew was, but if you bring in that third-round guy like, like New England has with Stidham this year where he's behind Brady, what if Brady gets hurt? Now Jared Stidham has to go win New England the, their seventh Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, that's the, like that's, you know, that's why you can have he to do be sure. that? Well, no. And you have to be sure that you're willing to run the risk because you've got a quarterback that you know is good enough and is durable enough and is knowing that you're virtually one snap away from disaster you know as they are and they're fighting for a world championship again and yet you know they get one crazy play and there's stidham and you know now you're eight and eight or something some truth to that let's go to jacob who's up next here on jared and the gm live out at the brand new electronic express in cool springs go ahead jacob all right guys so given everything that's going on with the titans as a whole Dra- trading up to draft a quarterback would probably be one of the dumbest things they could do. True. You can't protect him. We, uh, everybody, we don't know who our weapons are besides that Brown. Brown appears to be a good value. Davis, we don't know if he's coming or going. Walker's going to be gone. You trade down unless one of the quarterbacks fall into your lap. If Burrow falls into your lap at 17, you, you take that quarterback then. Otherwise, you trade down and try to rebuild in the early second round with quality players like Brown and take a quarterback there like somebody that nobody talks about, Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest because he plays for Wake Forest, or a Jake Fromm that's on the tank. Sit him on the bench and get some ammo to rebuild your team with some decent quality starters. We don't have to have a superstar. A good team would be a good start. I mean, that's just where I think Thank you for the call, Jacob. Uh, and conceptually, I think that's exactly right. You know, the prop, the thing that you have to be sure of is that that guy, that from, is good enough. Because if not, you're setting this all up for disaster again. Because you're going to be looking for the only position that really counts, quarterback. And uh, and that's why I say you just have to be sure about what you're getting. Now, New England, I mean, they're, they have made a a career out of doing this. And, of course, they've had Brady, who's always, you know, going to always be there. But you look at the number of backup quarterbacks. I mean, the league is literally strewn with New England's backup quarterbacks all over. And the one at San Francisco is undefeated. The one at Indy is like, what are they, five and three or Mm -hmm. whatever they are. I mean, those guys are all over the place, and they're winning. So, 
you know, whatever New England does, however they kind of select those guys, that's that's the kind of guy that you'll be looking for. Chris is up next here on Jared and the GM. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, guys. How are you all today? Good. Hey, I was calling basically to, to kind of talk about it. It actually goes with New England as well. You know, a guy like Tannehill is suited for a team like uh, New England to where you have to have a guy with experience if Brady goes down. But a team like the Titans and the teams that meander around 7-9 and nine and 9-7, nine and basically that's the same thing. Why not go and get a guy that is completely unproven, like uh, Nick Mullins, like Allen in Carolina, like Minshew? Why not go with a guy that you don't know if he has the potential to be a Kurt Warner rather than just get the same 8-8 eight and eight quarterback and keep going with a Matt Castle, a Tannehill, uh, I mean, people like that. I mean, I feel like that's what we keep doing is going through retreads of McCown, you know, the guy in Chicago right now. Why not get the unknown and give those guys a chance while you're an 8-8 eight and eight team anyway? And I'll listen to you off the air. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Well, I think the important thing to understand is – when you see these teams, like like Jacksonville, Jacksonville didn't play some kind of a, a waiting game or outsmart the league by getting him Minshew at in the sixth round. If they thought Minshew was going to be a starter, they would have drafted him in the first round. Mm-hmm. Those are just lucky picks. Now it happens. It happened. It happened with Tom Brady in New England. Perfect example. But. And I tell this story all the time. Scott Pioli, the guy that drafted him, has a picture, or had a picture on his desk of Tom Brady and a tight end that I want to say was from Delaware. And the reason he kept Every time it, we do this, I always have to Google who that player is. Yeah. And, and the reason it was on his desk was because the tight end from Delaware or wherever, Hofstra or someplace that never played a snap in the league was drafted around ahead of Tom Brady. Dave Stachelski from Boise State okay, there was taken. Here's how many players they took ahead of Brady. Dave Stachelski, the tight end, Jeff Marriott, a DT, Antoine Harris, a DB, and then Tom Brady. Yeah, so they had that. That goes to show you that, you know, we want to think New England was really smart for doing it, and 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 they they were i mean it was tremendous fortune but it was not planned you know if you're going to get a hall of fame the greatest quarterback to ever put put a jock on you are not waiting until the 6th round under any circumstances so i think those when we look at those down the line guys and people want to use them as an example and i understand it but you don't plan you don't go into go into a draft saying Okay, you know what we'll do in the in the bottom of the fifth round, we'll just take this quarterback from, you know, Tuskegee. Yeah, because I really, really like him. I think he's going to be a starter and a Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay, Dave Stachelski had in his NFL career one catch for five yards. There you go. And he was three picks that New England made ahead of Tom Brady. There you go. He was a fifth rounder. They picked all these other guys ahead of Tom Brady. I, I actually was thinking about this today. I know you don't have it, you know, because I, I well, you know, I don't know. Because even though I've been to your house, I've never actually been inside of your house. 
So I, I don't know like what's in the Floyd Reese vault, and I'm going to guess that I'm never going to be given the opportunity to look into Floyd Reese's vault. Oh, I hope. And if that ever happens, <laughs> it'll probably you know happen post mortem. And if that happens, we'll, we'll do a special. We'll do a special inside Floyd a- Reese's vault, and it'll be like Geraldo Rivera doing inside Al Capone's oh, vault, <laughs> and, and we'll find in there nothing except like a pair of gym shorts that Jerry Glanville spit oh, and oh. blew his nose on or something. Oh, like, shoes. Yeah, that'd be it. <laughs> but I would have a love to like if you still had your two thousand board left over. Like, if you still had the board from 2000, I would love to look at it to see where Brady was yeah. on the board. Yeah. Because he's on the board, right? Oh, I'm sure he was. Your 2000 board. Yeah, but I, I have no clue where. You don't keep any of that stuff, though? Oh, I'm sure I probably got it boxed up someplace. But oh, my God, know. Floyd. Can we please look for that? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. First of all, first of all, your 2000 board, what do you think you could get on a silent auction for that? Probably, that's, that's probably like a $50,000 silent auction. Because why? Because people love crap like that. Oh. 50's probably too much. I bet somebody would pay 10 grand for your 2000 for your 2000 draft board where Tom Brady is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Jared and the GM live at the brand new Electronic Express location out here in Cool Springs. Of course, as I said, not only Floyd is amazed at the size of this Electronic Express. Of course, it's in the old Toys R Us out here over by the, you know, it's easy to get in and out of. But, of course, I've said Electronic Express took care of my house. What I did, I went to Electronic Express one time, got it all taken care of, went over. They came to my house. I went to work, came back. Everything was hung up perfectly, have not had a problem since. So that's why we all love all of Electronic Express. And, again, they got all the great deals that are coming down the pipe, and we're giving away tickets all day today as well. So come on out and see us. Jared and the GM, CSPN 1025 The Game. The most important thing to keep your eye on for Alabama and for everyone else. Alabama must win this game. Nick Saban is the only coach in the last 80 years to win the national championship without winning his division. That dog's not going to hunt this time around. Let's make it clear why that is. This game is more important for Alabama than it is for LSU. So glad you asked me that question. Because this game is at home, and Alabama doesn't have a good win, they, other than Texas A&M, which is not really a good win. So if LSU goes to Alabama, a place that nobody wins, and they've lost three games in the last seven years, then now, and if LSU loses, that's still a really quality loss. If Alabama loses at home, forget about it. That was Paul Feinbaum on the Alabama-LSU game. A very interesting story at ESPN.com today, Floyd where they talk about how impossible it is to win in Tuscaloosa since Nick Saban has been the coach, which, of course, LSU will have to do on Saturday in order to win that game. And that Nick Saban, since his first year at Alabama, Nick Saban is 147-15. and 15. Think about that. Think about that Ken Wisenhunt lost almost as many games in his first season as Titans coach. Nick Saban is 147-15. and 15. However, it's been almost impossible to win at Bryant-Denny Stadium. In fact, since Saban's first season, when they lost five, they've lost uh, four football games at home. That's how tough it is. So ESPN.com goes through with each of like somebody from all four of those teams and kind of asks, how do you win in Tuscaloosa? So, for example, Cliff Kingsbury, who was the A&M offensive coordinator in 2012 when Johnny Manziel went in there, Cliff Kingsbury said, quote, it's a unique environment. 
everyone in that building is confident they're about to kick your ass. You just feel the expectation of that fan base. They're going to dominate you. you got to overcome that as a road opponent and just cut it loose. We got out on them 20 to nothing, and even when you're rolling, you know it's coming. That's how I feel like when the Titans play the Patriots or something like that, and the, the Titans have, have the lead on the Patriots, and I'm like, okay, but here comes Brady. Don't. Uh, Kingsbury says you got to make sure guys go in there believing they have a chance to win that game. Then they asked Hugh Freeze. And Hugh Freeze said, for Alabama to be that consistent, it speaks volumes about the depth chart Nick Saban has built and his coaches in the atmosphere and tradition there at Bryant-Denny. In that league, you can easily slip up and have a bad day. Somebody has enough players to beat you on more than one Saturday. But that doesn't just happen to Nick. His record speaks for itself. It takes a special plan and a special belief that you can do it, especially to go into their place and win. Floyd what do you think LSU has to have in them if they're going to go into Tuscaloosa and win on Saturday? Oh, they're going to have to. I mean, it's you know, there's a reason that it's not not easy to win there. The same thing. I mean, not not as extensive, but the same thing true at LSU. You know, how many night games do you go into LSU and win? Eh, probably not many. Although Troy did that, that a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, it happens to everybody, but. But it's not, you know, generally speaking, you're not rolling in there and saying, okay, we're going to, you know, kick their butt and head on out of here. I mean, it's tough. I think the fans, I mean, you know, the place is going to be sold out. You know it's going to be loud. You know the fans love their team and they hate you. And uh, and it's just not a friendly environment. They make it tough on you. But you know what? It's no different. You go to Auburn and uh, you watch, you you. Uh, go to the Auburn game when Auburn is playing, you know, Georgia or Auburn's playing Alabama or Auburn's mm-hmm. playing, I'm going to tell you what now, that place is rumbling. So in the SEC, all the big-time programs, you go into their places to play home games, and it's it's a hard place to win. It's I look at this game and I say LSU's got to score first, LSU's probably got to score second, and LSU has got to have one freak play go their way. You know, one freak ball off the helmet into the hands, and they got LSU is going to have to have some luck. And I think LSU is the better team, but I still think in that environment, LSU is going to have to have a little help. Well, it's yeah. I mean, I I, I wouldn't doubt that. The the um, the thing with Nick teams, and the thing that that makes it so hard is generally speaking. Those kinds of things don't happen to them, mm-hmm. you know, generally speaking. And and I think this is going to be one of the higher scoring games that we've seen all year long. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, I, you know, in a game that you would normally say, you know, for the last couple of years with Alabama and if you got LSU with one of their good defensive teams, you say, hey, this is going to be nine to six. You know, well, that's not the case, you know, this year. I think this one's going to be you know, 49 to 46 or something like that. I mean, there are going to be some points scored um, because I, I'm not sure either defense is up to par what they've been in the past. And the offense, the quarterbacks and the receivers, and and in LSU's case, maybe the running back to a certain extent, you know, are, are, are factors. And, I mean, they make it happen. And I think that uh, – I think because of that, you know, you're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to keep scoring with – Tua or with Burrow, and the truth is, the other quarterback can do that. So, 
be Six, exciting. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Alabama LSU. That game, of course, is going to be Saturday. I cannot wait for Alabama LSU Saturday. You know, that that is, and there aren't a ton of college football games during the year that I'm like, all right, forget everything else, but 2.30 Saturday, I'm watching Alabama LSU. I don't care who wants to come over, you can come over, but I'm watching Alabama LSU. That is what that game uh, is going to be. 615-737-1025. Taylor Lewan has been receiving a lot of criticism lately. What do we think of that? We'll get to that coming up next. Plus, of course, we will take your calls. Congratulations to Eric Rapper, who, of course, is the qualifier for a chance to win the Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway to Dallas. The winner will receive round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, and a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner with special guest the Almond Betts Band and to sleep at the wheel at the American Airlines Center on Tuesday, December 31st, and a pair of tickets to see the Preds and Stars at the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday, January 1st. Prizes are courtesy of Outback Presents. Next chance to qualify is with Morning Drive tomorrow at 7 a.m. We're live from the the brand new Electronic Express, the grand opening of the new Electronic Express in the old Toys R Us location out here in Cool Springs. Come by now for amazing deals, plus free prizes and giveaways all day, including the cookie dough that even Floyd Reese tried. And I'm telling you, this cookie dough, and it feels like a five-pound weight in my hand, it's so big, so good. So come on out and register to win for tickets as well. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025.